0: Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. Welcome back, Kelly and Chelsea here. Glad you've joined us for another episode. Today, our topic is AI influencers. We are looking at the trend in general. We're gonna be talking about what's the point or really the big deal about AI influencers and how AI influencers are subtly contributing to shifts in culture, and really, ultimately, how does this impact kids, and to a greater extent, adults? Let's start off with some simple explanations and history. Now, an AI influencer is sort of defined as a social media personality that has been created by artificial intelligence. These realistic digital avatars can be designed to look like anyone, and they can be programmed to say and do anything. Now, interestingly enough, this is not new. The Japanese pop star Kyoko was the first artificial intelligence influencer created in 1996. And apparently, she has released some songs and her creators call her a
1: virtual idol. Well, I mean, idol, influencer, they're about the same thing these days, right? Anything that influences the affections of your heart and your behaviors is essentially receiving your worship. So. Calling it an idol is actually a lot more accurate than our modern term word of influencer. And honestly, for Christians, Cal, let's keep some biblical language in our daily talking. It is an idol, right? Yeah, I think exactly, especially in that biblical context.
0: When you look at scripture, fake gods were considered idols, and they distracted God's people away from worshiping the one and only true God of creation. And this is exactly what's happening with modern influencers today. They're sort of these
1: demigods that we inevitably give our devotion to. Absolutely. And now they're just virtual. That kind of like by artificial intelligence, they can be even more perfect or more worthy of our worship. They can be less human. They have less limitations, less baggage, less flaws, right? This list could just go on. They're m- even more like that static golden calf that just they can't actually speak or act. We haven't really seen anything like this before in our modern time. And, Here we are. Right.
0: So obviously, AI has advanced quite a bit since 1996. So it's no surprise that we are seeing more and more AI models, influencers, and the like. In 2019, supermodel, who's a real human, Bella Hadid, she posed with Lil Michaela, who is an AI design creation, in ads for Calvin Klein, which really made some noise, so to speak, and opened up people's eyes to the future possibilities of AI influencers. And as of right now, today, Lilo Michaela is the top AI influencer in the world. Chelsea, she has 2.7 million followers on Instagram, and she is described as a fictional American character, singer, and Instagram influencer.
1: I'm 2.7. That's a ton of followers. Why? Just why? I don't understand. (laughs) I mean,
0: maybe it's just intrigue, right? Maybe people are just intrigued at the idea. Well, there's lots of them, and so we're going to go through a couple of them. The number 2 ranked influencer is Ludo Magula. I believe I'm saying that right. She was the f- she was first introduced on YouTube in 2009 to promote iBlog TV, and since then she's been active on Instagram and YouTube sharing unboxing videos, product reviews, and software tips for companies. So, when I mean, you think back, 2009, AI really was not on anybody's radar, of course, not not even in 1996. But you can see that it's just obviously a growing trend. Well, the last one I'm gonna mention, she's really more up and coming. And I've already seen her in some different news articles and such. So I think it's worthy to mention, even though she's not the, she's really kind of at the, I think number nine or 10 in the ranking. And that is Atanya Lopez. Now she is extremely realistic. She, I think, will genuinely deceive every person with just a glance. And she is the first AI-generated influencer from Spain. She's created by a Spanish modeling agency. However, I don't know. I would argue that she doesn't really look Spanish at all. She is pink-haired. She represents a 25-year-old girl, and she serves as a fitness influencer. Um, As of right now, she has 220,000 followers on Instagram.
1: So by far, the pink hair is the best way to recognize her. And honestly, at first glance, You cannot tell that it's AI generated. It's, now listen, you guys, I'm not all about that AI or that hair, you know, like the pink hair, but it's perfect. And honestly, it's perfect because you guys, it's not real. It's computer generated. So of course it gets to always stay perfect as well. Well, that's the,
0: I mean, that's the interesting thing, right? Pink hair can look good for like maybe a day but then your roots start growing and no one's pink hair, like that color doesn't last. And so that's like the interesting thing when you look at her, that pink hair is always perfect. Well, of course it can be. She's AI generated, right? She's not human, that's not real hair. Um, I also thought it was really interesting that she was a fitness influencer. Now, Chelsea, when you and I first start talking about this idea of AI influencers, one thing that you had said was that, well, there's always gonna be categories of, of influence that an AI generated person would not be able to pull off. And you had
1: mentioned fitness was one of them. I mean, this is, okay, this is clearly because what I deem as fitness is not actually what social media deems as fitness. To be a fitness influencer, all you have to do is like look fit and maybe post some pictures of yourself looking fit or maybe on the way to your workout in that cute outfit. We just can't forget that aspect is like, we are redefining terms here. I know that thigh gap is not perfect. Okay. I know it is not because she has done a ton of squats. And that's frustrating to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. And another key aspect is that she's very sexualized. Like she is wearing a lot of revealing clothing. We're not talking about the normal covering sports bra. We're talking about like her fitness gear is, is very, very sexualized. And you know, for a lot of AI influencers, in order to gain popularity, Right,
1: We see this. We see this obvious movement towards this sexy aesthetic. That's really interesting that you bring it up because one of the creators of the pink-haired Atiana stated that creating sexy influencers like her or what she mirrors, that's what the marketplace demands. In fact, we have a direct quote. Quote, if we don't follow this aesthetic, brands won't be interested. To change this system, you have to change the vision of the brands. The world in general is sexualized, end quote and i agree with her the world is sexualized yeah and i think this is precisely why we see
0: a lot of christian teen girls sexualizing themselves on social media they may not necessarily dress that way all the time and they're probably certainly not dressing that way for church but then you see them in contrast you see pictures on social media of maybe your you know friends or people at church or whoever of these young girls and you're like hold on wait a second why are they dressed like this? Why are they posing like this? And the reality is, is if they want to be seen, if they want to be recognized or relevant, they know that this is the only way. And honestly, I think that the idea of just being recognized in itself, that's all problematic. But the reality, I think, points to this more perfection aesthetic as a whole, You know, especially to the level that AI can achieve. It's really dangerous and it's contributing to this diminishing self-worth increased body image issues, and I think the covetousness of young people's hearts. You know, these AI influencers look perfect all of the time in every way. Who on earth can compete with that? And let me just say, I think that 99% of, of teens are going to view these influencers, even if they know that they are AI generated, with this like undertone of, of competition, or I think if nothing else, repetition to try and, you know, mimic them and to be like them. They see that same level of perfection, which we know is impossible. And they may even know is impossible because they're not human, but that's what gets attention. And that's, what's, that's where everybody is drawn to. And so they're going to want to do the same thing. It's like there's going to be a cognitive dissonance that somehow is not going to be resolved. So I guess the next question to be asked is, what is the purpose, right? What is the driving reason? Why these AI influencers are on the rise?
1: Kelly, I think that's a super simple answer. It's money, it's capitalism, profit, efficiency for sure, marketing, power, and honestly, authority. Creating a virtual influencer that you can control in every way, shape, or form, who can you know secure brand deals and make money for the creators. From a marketing point of view, that's really pragmatic. A virtual influencer is so much cheaper than a, and a human influencer. Because they don't have the demands, they don't have busy schedules, they don't age, they don't get acne or gain weight, and they don't have an opportunity to completely wreck their wreck their image or um, wreck the brand that they represent by doing really dumb stuff online that's a great point.
0: but also I think when I you know think about these creators, it presents them an opportunity to themselves influence culture to influence human hearts and sort of promote ideas or push stereotypes, you know, advocate for their own agenda while hiding behind this beautiful and sexy woman. And I'm not trying to categorize all, you know, tech creators as as male, you know, or, you know, as maybe the the kind that wouldn't be able to communicate and share ideas and sort of have their own aesthetic. But, you know, influencers, as we know, have power and authority on social media. So if, if you're like, the guy or the girl who's creating this, this AI influencer and you don't have sex appeal or maybe you don't have the personality to pull that, that sort of power and authority off through your own human self, well, creating a digital avatar to hide behind is a really effective way to accomplish and acquire that desire to have power and influence
1: over people's affections. I think you're spot on in this. I just, let me see how right you are about the sense of control that creators feel in manipulating and molding people's hearts and minds you guys we all know this technology for all of us it gives us the illusion of control and as humans we really think control is the answer to a good life so obviously if you want more control then you have to embrace more technology but guys this is just a lie from satan god gave us dominion over creation in the garden and What was meant to be good has been twisted by the fall. So instead of exercising dominion, we exercise control. In fact, I love this quote from John MacArthur when he was writing about dominion. He says, Subduing speaks of a productive ordering of the earth and its inhabitants to yield its riches and accomplish God's purposes, end quote. Dominion rightly orders and it rightly acknowledges God. Control does none of those things. Control disorders things for our selfish benefit, and it doesn't acknowledge God because control is all about ourself. Ever since Eve took that fruit, humans have sought to gain control over the world because we want what we want, and we refuse to acknowledge God. And my second point to this is that as AI advances, these high-tech gurus, the computer programmers, and graphic designers are not the only ones who have the capability of creating these digital AI avatars that can serve to influence, and that's going to be a problem for a lot of parents down the road. Yeah, it's it's opening the
0: door for anyone to create it to be an AI influencer, essentially. And you know, to that point, I was just reading an article, and it said, you know, that these AI creators they don't aim. Our aim is not to be God. Our aim is to go beyond God. And when you look at just that quote. I mean, that's just an honest quote from someone who obviously does not believe in God and does not surrender himself to God's sovereignty and authority. But that is exactly what we're trying to do in the sense of AI and this sort of transhuman. We've talked about that in, in our interview with Jacob Shatcher. This movement towards this kind of post-human state, this is where it's going. And now it's going to be in the hands of anyone who can who can download an app and have an AI image generator to do that, which we're going to talk a lot about AI images in the next podcast. But right now, let's just talk about these AI generating avatar apps. So these apps easily generate pictures, art and avatars, most specifically, and I would say poignantly and how they relate to kids is that they're creating an avatar from pictures of yourself. So think of it this way. For kids and teens, if they want to build an identity or a brand for themselves, if they want to sort of have this influencer-like status, which sadly, I'd argue is, co- is a common desire nowadays for teens, but maybe they're insecure about their appearance or maybe their personality and they're just afraid to put themselves out there in what they deem is like their unperfected state and they're, they're fearful that they're going to be shamed in the online world. And that's a legitimate fear considering the way people treat each other online. So they go and they create an AI avatar of themselves. And often what this is called is a magic avatar. It is a digitized version of themselves. So it has like their likeness because it's generated off their picture, but it's graphically enhanced and certainly perfected. So instead of posting authentic pictures of themselves or pushing ideas and influence into the online world under their own name, and their real human self, they're going to use this AI avatar under a new name or handle, but it's still got their likeness, right? It's not exactly them, but it is them. so it allows for this anonymity, but at the same time, it's an extension of themselves because the AI avatar is created off of their own image
1: now, some of our listeners might not have any clue what we're talking about right now when we say an AI avatar in their likeness so I think we just need to like hit pause and kind of dice this up a little bit. So let's explain what this means. There, there are just so many apps available right now that allow you to basically upload pictures of yourself. And the AI within the app essentially alters the image to be digitized, enhanced, and then like maybe even creatively, like futuristically, it could even be kind of emo or ethereal or just honestly, whatever genre you prefer and is available. So if you think of beauty filters, which were super popular and still kind of are, those are also AI. It's like that, but instead of just retaining your humanness, basically, it sort of cartoonizes. Is that a word? I think hopefully it is. It, Yeah, it's a cartoon version of the picture that you've uploaded. And I'll be honest, what these apps do is really impressive. Now to my adult mind, and I would say most adult minds, this is kind of intriguing. It would be mildly funny or entertaining to see myself as a futuristic space boss or maybe to see my face on the Mona Lisa, but it would provide about like, what, three minutes of mild senseless humor. And I don't think there would be any visible harm to me. I don't think it's going to change my character or, or alter the sense of who I am or who I could be based on this AI-generated picture of myself. But again, I am an adult. I'm not trying to form my identity or my worldview. Or I'm, I'm not trying to establish my place in this world like a teenager is. I don't have any desire to recreate myself, but kids, teenagers, this is an entirely different story. Seeing themselves recreated and perfected, being made new and relevant through an AI version of themselves, this is going to have so many dangerous implications on their identity formation. Yeah, I think
0: if we look at the role that beauty filters have played in the hearts and minds of girls, especially since the dawn of Snapchat and Instagram filters, and it's really just getting much more advanced, it's been terrible. The influence has been terrible. Body image issues are rampant in tween and teen girls because of this portrayed perfection, and then the comparison of themselves to others online. And we already know this, guys. It's led to mental health issues, eating disorders, self-harm, and you know, suicide at worst. But at best, it's just laid this foundation for girls to feel like, well, number one, they have to have a perfect image or brand that just being themselves is not enough. And number two, that they're searching for their worth in their external appearance, and they're not developing good moral character and identity from the inside. I think Based on what you said, Chelsea, the the point that we are making, and I think every single one of these AI app discussions and, and AI advancement discussions, is that what it does to adults is totally different and totally separate than what it does to kids. We cannot take how adults use smartphones and say that kids are going to use it the same way, same as social media, the same as um, AI robots, the same as even chatbots or you know, chat GPT, and the same is going to be true as... It goes to these AI images and avatars. How it works in an adult is not the same. It's wholly different and immensely impactful. Okay, so let me talk a little bit about some of the apps that are available to do this, because I want you to be able to know in case if you still have allowed your children to download apps on their own, but yet you're looking at what kind of apps they're downloading, you need to know what these are. Or if they're coming to you and they're saying, hey, can I download this and it looks harmless. This is, what, this is how you're going to know. Okay, so the number one app I would say in this category is Lensa AI. L-E-N-S-A, Lensa AI. And I want to read a snippet of their app description in order to give you an idea of how persuasive their words are, again, to young people, but rarely to adults, because we're going to be able to see right through this. Here's what it says, quote, make your selfies look perfect. Add artistic flair to your photos with styles and special effects or create music videos and trailers of your adventures and much more. And discover the most sought after trend on the internet, magic avatars. Magic avatars transform you into your alter egos. Discover a world where you can take on a different style in seconds. Upload your picks, 10 minimum, and see the magic happen. Get up to 200 unique avatars to use for your profile pic and so much more. End quote. Now, not hard to see how this verbiage can win over the natural vulnerabilities and sensibilities of a teen or tween. I mean, they're literally saying, transform yourself into your alter ego, right? Change your style in seconds. And one I read even says, you know, discover your new identity now. So again, we can see right through this. But so their market, who's their market? Their market is children. That is who they are aiming for is because they know that they can say this kind of stuff and, and kids are going to fall prey to it. So some other popular apps for this type of AI avatar, magic avatar generation in the app store are Dawn AI, Cosplay, Wonder, New Profile Pick Avatar Maker. That one's really clear as to exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, another one is Tune Me, Reface. Reface has been, I think, pretty popular. And DaVinci. Now, interestingly, these apps are all rated four plus, ages four plus. Most of them are free, and some offer some extra features for a paid version. But of course, okay, when something, when the app is free, we should always be asking if it's free, how is the company making money? Okay, are there advertisements on the app? Do you have to like view an ad before you can do something? Well, that would be one way to make money. But if there are no advertisements on the app, then you can naturally assume their other option to make money is to sell your data. And since 10 pictures minimum can be required, one should naturally assume that your photos, that once you upload them, they are now
1: public property of the internet. Yikes. I don't even know where to go with that, but just yikes. I think, Kel, you know, we've got a, what's the bottom line here? The bottom line is that AI influencers, they're just, they're They're up and coming. They have firmly placed their stake in the ground of internet culture, and this is going to bleed over into young people. It's going to shape them. um, It's going to shape them to desire to become AI influencers themselves using their AI likeness. Now, with that said, let's highlight our main concern, which should be a main concern for all parents. So the first concern is transparency. Often, AI influencers on social media are not labeled as such. There are several platforms that state in their community guidelines that AI generated content needs to be labeled as such so it deters young people from being deceived into believing it's real. In fact, TikTok has recently updated their community platform or community guidelines, excuse me to say, synthetic or manipulated media that shows realistic scenes must be clearly disclosed. This can be done through the use of a sticker or a caption such as synthetic, fake, not real, or altered. But just like a lot of things listed in their community guidelines that are never subject to moderation, this is no different. There is so much that gets through without any repercussions. That's the truth of it. And even that language in there, synthetic or
0: manipulated media, that's not even very clear. They're like, you need to clearly disclose this but we're going to be completely abstract in what we call AI-generated content, you know, synthetic and manipulated media. It's all silly. But nonetheless, it leads us to our second concern, and that is establishing and promoting a standard of unrealistic perfection. This is a very big concern, right? It should go without saying. If you are not alerted that a post is fake in the sense that it is an AI-generated influencer, If it looks real, you're probably going to believe it's real. That's just the natural tendency we have. And that belief is going to embed itself sort of into the psyche of young people who are still developing their identity. And it's going to wreak havoc on their body image and their self worth. Why don't I look that perfect? You know, why doesn't my hair look that good? Well, I think interestingly, um, a nonprofit organization as of right now, Parents Together is what it's called, which they advocate for policies to make the internet safer for kids. They've generated a petition to TikTok to, be more clear and overtly labeling AI content in their app. And they have like 12,000 signatures, according to a January 2024 source. And because, like I said, that, what you just read, Chelsea, that is not clear. That is not obvious at all. And when parents see this trend of seeing AI, it's going to be, we're going to get to the point where we're not going to be able to tell what is real and what's not real. So again, just because they say something in their guidelines, it just, it doesn't mean that implementation is at all effective as we've seen with all, all social media apps. I mean, their community guidelines are basically just garbage. And the next one I would say is our third concern is over-sexualization. Again, goes without being said, this is everywhere. It's everywhere. So again, it shouldn't be a surprise, but when it's combined with the state of perfection, I think the problem worsens. You know, the heart of the issue, I'm just going to go there for a second, is honestly how much the porn industry is in bed with these AI companies establishing the capabilities. You know, we talked about AI porn last year, and I think these type of magic avatars, they are all very sexualized. They're not innocent. And it's because it comes from the influence that the porn industry has on AI. So they all contribute, I would say, to the erosion of this moral fabric of individuals. When everywhere you look is over-sexualized men and women, it's going to begin to
1: feel normal. You just get desensitized to it. I mean, Kelly, you're spot on. This is a huge problem as AI pornography grows. The kind of just-for-fun magic avatar that you created could actually find itself being used in AI pornography. The fourth problem is devaluing humanness. The more that we use and rely on AI to solve our non-technological problems, such as the limits of humanness, the less value we're gonna see in other people. God's second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. But if you find AI solutions more helpful and more engaging than the humans that you come upon in your day-to-day life, this is a serious problem. If you would rather an AI solution than a human solution, then you are devaluing humanity and all that it means to be human. And this just kind of embitters us with life and it's ultimately sim- sinful. I, c- I can't mix it any other way. It's like how I said in the
0: AI robots podcast, if if you start liking this robot because it's more patient than your mom and dad and it's just always available where your mom and dad are tired and then we're all gonna start appreciating the robots more than we do humans. Those Flaws and failures that are in every single human are to be are going to become that much more annoying and that much more intolerable. But that's what makes relationships beautiful. At the same time, is that's how we grow. That's how God sanctifies us. Is with one another. So I think that's a great point. Um, just the devaluing of humanness. And I would move on and say the fifth concern that we have is this idea of making images of our image. So let me just start by asking you this. Do you care, Brave Parent, do you care if AI generated models take over the fashion industry and put human models out of a job? Now, maybe you're thinking, no way, AI cannot take over jobs like this. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I don't really care about models. You know, let let the AI do their job. Well, either way, the point is that as image bearers of God, we are created to do work work is not a result of the fall and the curse, right? Adam and Eve were instructed by God to work the garden because they were creatures made in God's image, and we are to mirror God's activity. That's that's what an image does. And God worked, right? He created the world in, in six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. He did work. I think I've actually literally quoted Genesis 1 and 2 every single every single week, Chelsea, <laughs> talking about us as humans, and the dignity and value that is found in working, it really is important, and we keep thinking that AI is going to make our life easier and that we won't have to work as much. but there's there's just some serious loss there, I think, that we really need to consider. Well, if we keep making AI like images, quote images, that is anything artificial that intends to mirror our human activity, whether that be an avatar or a chatbot or a robot tutor right, to do the work that God intended humans to do, then AI will have to take over more and more and more because humans will be increasingly less competent to do the work. I think the best example is the fact that AI is contributing to this movement of self-driving cars. Well, because we humans cannot seem to like keep our phones out of our hands while driving a car, the amount of distractedness and how many more accidents are actually happening on the road because of technological distractions, Well, yeah, we're going to need self-driving cars because we're losing the ability to be competent drivers with smartphones in the car. So that's just like one example. Well, if we continue to abdicate our role as parents to the AI robot or to the AI chatbot, well then over time, robots are not just going to be for fun. They're going to be required because we're going to lose the ability. We're going to lose the knowledge and the know-how of parenting or having conversations or even simple tasks like taking an order through a, drive, a fast food drive through lane or modeling clothes. These are all basic human th- you know, tasks that we do that AI will be able to take over if we just stop working and stop losing our comp- if we if we continue to lose our competency in these areas.
1: I remember when we were talking about this and just kind of fleshing out this idea of AI avatars. And so I was thinking like this idea of like not working. I've seen this before. So one of the ways that I like to look at problems like this, AI influencers or anything really, is to kind of create a context for what I'm attempting to understand. And as we did some research on this, I immediately thought of the fall of Rome we're creating problems to such a degree, like you said, Kelly, that AI really is going to be the only solution for our problem. So listeners, if you haven't read Francis Schaeffer's, you know, How Should We Then Live? I just, I highly encourage you to do so because history, you guys, it's absolutely repeating itself. There's just nothing new under the sun. So let's kind of do a little history lesson real quick and, and look at this. The fall of Rome It wasn't really because of outside attacks from barbarians. Rome fell because there were three internal issues. The first was rampant sexuality. The arena had given Romans just a a massive thirst for violence and then a deep desire just to gratify their senses. So naturally, to gratify those senses, they turned to sexuality. You know, sexual representation in Roman homes was just unashamedly blatant. And in Pompeii, the phallus cult was extremely strong. So of course, I know that our listeners are probably like seeing an immediate connection between Rome and social media right now. I've always kind of joked that social media was our modern day coliseum where we, we see kids just fighting each other and, and battling it out. And, and then we have to gratify our senses through hypersexualization, which these AI avatars are absolutely doing. But then the major second internal issue was apathy. As Schaefer points out, creative elites ended up abandoning their intellectual pursuits for social life. And again, today, we're seeing this since the COVID lockdowns in 2020. We've seen a rise in students who just all out refuse to go to school. And I'm not talking about college students here, you guys. We're talking about elementary, middle school, but mainly high school students who just don't want to go. They're not going to go. In fact, in Ohio, where I live, there was a proposed measure to pay students to go to school because truancy is a direct connection to apathy. That is absolutely insane. They're going to pay students to get their basic education. I know. But this is going back to your idea of work. This is where we're at. No one wants to work anymore. And I don't. I think it's just there's a lack of willingness. Like, you know, a tool in my hand like social media or, sorry, a phone is I expect that smart technology to do everything for me because it can be smart for me.
0: Well, it's, yeah, I mean, kids can find all the answers in through Google and through ChatGPT. Why do I need to study history in the classroom and take a test and memorize these facts when I can just Google or ChatGPT the answer and then it's there? They don't understand the benefit of like the brain as a muscle and helping to learn, learn, learn how to learn.
1: You're. I mean, you're spot on. I always tell. I joke with the students that I get to talk to. I'm like, I think it's in the Greek. As a disciple of Christ, disciple means learner. You're always going to be learning. You can't negate that fact. And if you're just gonna, not you're not willing to learn anymore, we're we're at a really hard place in our life in in society if that's the truth of it. So then, the third internal issue was just the natural response to the apathy that had grown in Roman society when people decided that they no longer wanted to work. Inflation increased exponentially because the cost of running the government, it became too much. It meant that the taxes on Roman citizens became just an unbearable burden and authoritarianism rose. When people refuse to work, the government ends up taking ownership and then freedoms are inevitably lost. So yeah, when those barbarians eventually attacked, there just wasn't enough Roman citizens who believed that the old civilization was worth saving. In fact, as Schaefer says, Rome had no sufficient inward base. That moral formation of Rome's culture bred hypersexualized, aloof, indulgent, and apathetic citizens. So when the pressures of life got too hard, they couldn't stand up. To quote Schaefer just one more time, he said, when the lives and the value systems of individuals or cultures have nothing stronger to build on than their own limitedness and their own finiteness, if they do not have a sufficient base, they crash. And tragically, Kelly, I think we're seeing this on a, on a micro level across the country as individual families break down. When a couple struggling in their marriage looks at each other and they, says, they, th- they say that there's nothing worth saving. Now, I'm sure that right now, there's probably a listener or two who is thinking, how did we go from an AI influencer to the collapse of the Roman empire to the family? So I'm just going to see if I can kind of sum it all up in a a little short story. The, The AI influencer is just another piece of the puzzle that is connected to a much larger whole, which is technology in general. And without a sufficient base that is rooted in absolute values, like our biblical worldview then individual citizens, like parents, like students, teenagers, they're all going to collapse from the inside out. And I think we just see too many connections already. And we have to start taking these things seriously, much, much more seriously than we have been in the past. But another major concern is these AI avatars are now kind of like demigods to worship. It's just another interesting way kind of to look at the AI influencer is to consider like the historical worship of the gods. Civilizations, right, for centuries have erected gods to worship because, like R.C. Sproul says, we are just hopelessly religious. And it's true. We cannot not worship because it's just a fundamental attribute of our humanity. That's what we were created to do. We were created to worship. That's right. And
0: part of God's creation design is that we, you know, in part, fulfill that worship here on earth and then ultimately fulfill it in the eternal kingdom. When you look at the entire redemptive history, it was, it's always about worship, but it, you know, it's ultimately going to be fulfilled eternally. When you look around, you can easily see in our modern society, every human is worshiping something or someone. If it's not the Trinitarian God of the Bible, it's Taylor Swift, or it's their NFL team, or it's both, right? Um, or they're worshiping the perfect body image, or they're worshiping their job, or they're worshiping their video games. I mean, the list
1: obviously could go on, but you know exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. It's uh, very much how we make gods of people like Taylor Swift. It's like the people in history, the gods of old, like the Egyptian gods, right? They were just created in the image of their people. Egyptians believed that gods could do both good and evil. So for example, they had the god Seth. He was the Egyptian god for chaos and violence. And again, I'm just going to repeat it. Just like we can do good and evil. That's what they expected their gods to be able to do. There has never been a civilization on its own that could conceptualize a holy and perfect and personal God like ours. It's not possible to conceptualize that. And these AI influencers are created in their own image, in an image and likeness. And it's a a version of a little g God to worship. And we, like I said, I'm going to repeat it. We have got to be more serious about these things that just appear to be so benign but they are not benign and they are not straightforward. Yeah, I'm so thankful for your homeschool history <laughs>
0: perspective. Honestly, you can say what you, can, what you want about homeschool moms. They know their stuff. And I really appreciate that. The, the history of Roman civilization, a lot of people are gonna say that's not even related and it is absolutely applicable time. If you do not learn history, everything is going to repeat itself. So I appreciate it, you fleshing that out. That was great. And I would say the sixth concern, and this is very uh, nuanced, kind of philosophical, but I think it's really worth bringing it up. And it's this idea of who owns our likeness. So I'm going to flesh this idea out. We've used this word before, the likeness, right? We are made in the image of God. And so anything that, that we are creating of ourselves right, bears God's likeness because we bear his image. So let's take an example a 13-year-old girl creates a magic avatar of herself. And right, this magic avatar is this AI image It's gonna bear her likeness. And then she proceeds to post this on social media. And so the question would then be, what that 13-year-old girl says and does as that avatar, does it reflect her, the real person behind the screen? Is the child, the 13-year-old girl, responsible for then what that AI-generated influencer posts. If it doesn't have her name and it only bears her likeness, can it engage in sexualize and, and in pornographic ways and still leave the
1: 13-year-old girl as a human pure? You know, to start, I think this concept of, of likeness brings us to a much deeper conversation of who owns it, Kelly. Do I own my likeness and thus I can exploit myself whichever way I please? Or does someone else own my likeness? You know, someone with a big capital S. Right within our biblical worldview, we understand that our likeness is given, which has two incredibly broad applications. The first application is that my likeness is not mine to control. It's mine to steward and to understand in light of who God is because he's the one who gave me my likeness. So yeah, when that 13-year-old's avatar, which is an extension of her likeness, is scantily dressed and performs some mini striptease, it's a direct exploitation of God's creation, which is her. And I think I'm going to kind of go to Corinthians on this one, because again, we're still trying to wrap our minds around this. Like Kelly said, it's kind of like a, a philosophical question, but Paul reminds the Corinthians of their physical body's worth and he says in 1 Corinthians 6:19 he says do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own for you were bought with a price so glorify god in your body so that's that's exactly it so we have our physical embodied selves
0: and most people would agree that yeah what you're doing if you are engaging in pornography or sex outside of marriage all of these type of immoral bodily things that you're doing, we know that those are wrong. And so now we have this new question of what happens when it's a virtual version of yourself. I mean, there's even like a story going on in the UK right now of a girl who was raped in the metaverse and their law has no idea how to handle it because she's traumatized, but yet it wasn't physical. It was just virtual. It was you know, her digital self. So what we, what we do know is number one, yes, our laws have no concept of handling this type of virtual crime or virtual immorality, but I would say because of the worth that God has put on our body and our likeness, giving us his image, it's body and soul, right? When God created Adam from the dust of the earth, he you know created him with material being, that's our physical bodies, but then he breathed life into him, and that is his soul so what we're physically doing, it's it's not just even what our bodies are doing, but it's what our our minds are thinking and it's where our hearts are meditating on. And so it's it's more than I would say our physical bodies. And I think that's the place where a lot of people are going to get hung up on and you're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of challenge in the biblical worldview because of this. Oh well, see your scripture says that, you know, the body is what's important and not the, you know, so when it's virtual, it doesn't count. What are your thoughts?
1: Man, we've talked about this a lot. I think our biblical worldview exalts the, not exalts, but reminds us that the heart, everything that we do, even in our physical body, is an overflow of our heart. So when that, you know, 13 year old avatar or 13 year old with her avatar, you know, does her little strip tease dance or whatever, that's what her heart desires. And so I'm thankful that we can always go back to the heart. And we don't have to really get so hung up on whether or not she's responsible because at the end of the day, she is responsible because it came from her heart. That's right. And we talked about
0: that, I think, a lot in the heart and social media episode last year. I think it was last spring or summer of just your, so, the social media use you have. It's all an overflow of the heart. And what you're taking in is all impacting your heart. So I think that that's a great yeah, reminder as well.
1: And just to kind of circle back on this whole idea of likeness, there was a second application that Kelly and I wanted to kind of posit to you guys. And that application is that our likeness or my likeness, it has a deep and meaningful value because God, who is holy and perfect and the creator of the universe, he gave us our likeness. I can't, I can't assign value to my likeness because it's a given. It, it's not just given by any old little G God, but by God Almighty, the self-existent God who is eternal and unchanging. You guys, there, there's just no other worldview or religion that places a high value on our physical bodies or on our hearts like Christianity does. And our bodies are part of the created order, which declare the glory of God. And that's Psalm 19.1. And again, parents, I would just encourage you, understand what a biblical world is because it's gonna put guardrails on your life. It's gonna guard you and it's gonna guard your children so much, so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking too, to add to that, I'm researching right now, I'm writing a a paper on the incarnation and how the fact that, that God became a human in a physical body and how that brings purpose and meaning to our life still today. We gotta remember that what we do in our bodies, it matters now and it also matters in eternity. When Jesus was born and God became human flesh and dwelt among us, he physically died in, uh, in his body, just like we will physically die. But then he rose from the grave in his physical body and was seen by 500 plus the apostles plus his you know, half brother James in his physical body. And then when he ascended to heaven, he ascended in that physical body. Right so i mean that means like we're going to heaven in our physical bodies they matter they're going to be renewed they're going to be perfected is what scripture tells us but all that is done in that physical body matters it is not that our bodies are useless it's not that our soul is useless it's not that we are you know seeking some sort of higher spiritual sense that you know our bodies are just going to be left behind to decay I-, I think it it just goes to show that the heart and soul the body And the mind, like all of it, is what is surrendered to Christ. It's just why we, you know, obey him in the morality and the ethic that our biblical worldview teaches.
1: Exactly. So the point is that as the body reflects the image of God and our avatar reflects us, then yes, I would argue that the avatar made in our likeness still reflects the image of God. And it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about. Your heart is behind all of it. Everything that you project on social media is an overflow of your heart. And the value that we place on our bodies is just loudly exclaimed in the avatars that are created. You know, they're created without the imperfections that we perceive in ourselves. And we're just kind of saying to God, you didn't do it right the first time. So I'm going to fix it and create something that's perfect of myself.
0: Yeah. I think the other reminder of that is that we will stand before God as, as judge, the world may not know that I was the person behind that avatar who did those things or said those things. You know, I may not be judged by the world by that, but, but it is Jesus Christ who will judge the intentions of my heart, who knows all of my thoughts and knows all of my actions without even having being said or known by the world. And so that I think is also a humble reminder. So in general, I know these questions are, are really kind of philosophical and ethical. And, and I think I mean, they're probably not ones that most parents are going to be thinking through, but I do think that it's important to not just adapt without any critical thought. I think that if we want our kids to stay in reality, to stay in like a really appreciate and value the real life and just not be lost in the virtual world. And I'm just not just talking about the metaverse virtual world, right? If you're lost on social media, if that's where you spend your time and social media or video games or Netflix, I mean, that's essentially this other world. But if you want them like, grounded in reality and valuing relationships, we should really consider the potential outcomes of the pace at which we adapt to every new AI technology.
1: As we can see, talking about AI influencers is not as straightforward as this is just who they are and how we just need to advocate for platform required transparency. It's a lot more than what it appears to be. This is an entire worldview. That's embedded in these new AI advancements. And as parents, like Kelly said, this requires a lot of critical thought. And from a pragmatic standpoint, I think parents should prohibit AI avatar generating apps for themselves and for their kids until they can really get a handle on everything and talk about it well with their children.
0: 100%. And I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it again, that all of your social media scrolling and consumption, it really should be strictly limited and discon- or even discontinued completely, I think, because this is not how we as embodied image bearers of God stay engaged in the real world and love our neighbor, right? That's the, the bigger picture here. And it, it, and it goes to AI avatars, but it's just this big picture that we can be so easily deceived and duped by AI that if if we want our children to understand what real world and the real life is and that it's good, then we need to be modeling that as parents. We need, they need to know the real world so well and the value of real relationships and the beauty that that is so well that they can detect what it's artificial as soon as they come upon it. And I know this isn't easy, friends. Believe me, I know. But it is worth it. I promise you it's worth it. And this is what we've been commissioned to do. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And that's what we are as parents. We are disciple makers. God never intended that we bear children only to hand them a device for entertainment or a robot for tutoring or a game controller to escape reality. Right? If you look at it in that sense, how abhorring that must be for God to look down upon what is going on in modern day parenting. So I just implore you, to not jump aboard this high-speed train that takes us you know, completely out of reality um, with AI. Social media is not reality. Video games is not reality. Netflix is not reality. I am so sorry to inform you, but not really sorry, that these are just escapes from reality. And if you don't get a handle on them now, between AI and Apple Vision Pro and all that's coming, that we can't even foresee. It is going to distort all that we know to be good, right, and true about the reality that God has called us to live in, to be kingdom citizens, but here on earth. So,
1: all right, Chelsea, you got any final thoughts? I'm just thinking about 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. These light and momentary afflictions are preparing us for an eternal reality that outweighs everything, and that's a reason to stay in it. That's a reason to say, I'm going to stay in this reality because I know that it's preparing me for something that is even greater than what I am experiencing right now. Oh, amen. I love that verse. That's good. All right, friends, that's all that we have for you today.
0: We have another great interview for you next week that I know that you are going to love. So make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified when that next episode drops. Be sure to subscribe to the Brave Parenting Bullet Points newsletter. Again, that's how we communicate with all of the brave parents out there. I'm um, instead of posting all on social media. You know how that goes. All right. Until next week, go and be brave.